that you would bless us. You'd bless us with the wisdom and the knowledge we find in the Proverbs, and that we would see maybe some areas of our life that we need to polish a little bit, that maybe we've got some sharp edges that need to be um, trimmed off so that we can follow you and stay on the path with you no matter where you take us. Help us to do that, Lord. We love you. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to read it, and then we'll break it down. Starting in verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you the crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So to start, we get this kind of beginning of Solomon speaking to his son, continuing where we went through part of chapter 4 last week, where he's saying, are you listening, boy? It's kind of what you could read this next section as. So the first part of chapter 4, he's saying, "Be be careful of the influences around you, chase wisdom, My son, accept my words. Are you listening? Keep hold of the instruction. Um, Pay attention to what God has for you. Flee from evil. He's kind of going through all of that. And then in verse 20 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. All of you parents in the room know exactly what this is like. You have just gotten done having a conversation with one of your children saying, All these things you should do. Here's the things on the task list for the day. Here's the things and how you should act. Here's some things you need to work on. Some stuff you're trying to impart upon them. And you see their eyes glaze over. And you're like, are you listening? Solomon goes, my son, be attentive to my words. That's Solomon going, are you paying attention to a word that's coming out of my mouth? I don't know that every parent but mine ever said that, but that's what my parents have said to me. And so we can all kind of grasp what's happening. He's given the instruction be careful, watch your paths, be careful, Stay, flee from evil. And then, he, then he turns and goes, are you listening, son? Are you listening? Are you inclining your heart to what I have to say? Or are you listening? And he's going to drive home as we go through these few verses that it's about a heart change and not just an outward change. And that's one of the problems of Christianity. It's one of the problems of our faith is that too many people hear the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the message of his His death, burial, and resurrection for the remission of our sins so that we can be saved and be with him forever. And it translates weirdly into, I need to polish everything up and I need to be perfect. I got to wear the right clothes, say the right words, do the right thing, and that's when God loves me. We've turned Jesus into Santa Claus. That if I just do the right things, I'll get on the good list. And if I do the bad things, I get on the bad list. And every modern movie that's coming out or has been out or where it's the Santa Claus or Santa this or Rudolph that or whatever they're out there that we're all going to love in the next several months, right? Well, months. Well, Christmas decorations are already out. That's a whole other sermon on silliness. But it, the, the theme of a movie that has them on the bad list is, oh, they had this, this change in their life. They changed this behavior. Now they get to be on the good list. Now they get a great toy. And too often in church, in our faith, that's what that's, we, re, we hear the message of the free gift of grace. Every Christmas holiday season it comes around, every Easter it's a free gift of grace that you do nothing to earn, you don't deserve it, it's a gift. And so you receive the gift and then it begins this pattern in our lives where we feel we have to earn the gift each and every day. 
that you have to do something. It's an undeserved gift. You can tell me how the gospel works, but then you live a life that feels like if I just polish things up on the outside, then everything's great. And Solomon is driving his son to say, the path you're walking, the way that you live, it's because it's, your heart is a wellspring, we'll read. And it, it, what flows out of you shows us how you really are, what's really going on. That it's not about behavior modification. It's not just about you coming to faith, and all of a sudden you try to change this behavior and everything's good. You can change all the behaviors that the church would call bad, and you can still be far from God. My journey, most, a lot of you have heard this, so I turned 17, I'm going to church, I get saved at Easter at my senior year of high school, and then I read the Bible starting from the beginning, which is a terrible way to read the Bible. I made it to about numbers, maybe, and I think I just quit. And so then I would read my Bible only on sermon Sundays, or I would look at it then because I wasn't really paying attention because I'm trying to read through. You should always start in John. Don't ever start someone in the Old Testament. That's silly. And I quickly started putting it away because I thought when I became a Christian that everything's, gonna, everything's just going to be perfect. I'm no longer going to be tempted. I'm no longer going to have sin. I'm no longer going to have these struggles. I'm going to feel loved and cared for to the end of my days because now I love Jesus. No one told me about sanctification. No one told me about how that's a progressive thing through your whole life, that you're slowly becoming more like... No one was really preaching that or teaching that or telling me that. And so I got pretty frustrated. And then pretty quickly, you could start saying that parts of my life weren't really matching what I was saying in my faith. I never stop believing i never stopped but out of my heart wasn't coming an over a change towards christ a leaning towards the ear of my father in heaven but instead it was it can kind of become like going through the motions and that's what solomon is warning his son about that we can't just be into behavior modification it's not oh i went to church on sunday i heard a spectacular sermon by that man with great intelligence and such oratory skill that now my entire life has changed. Everything's going to change today. That's silliness. Now, maybe there'll be a seed planted. Maybe there'll be a Holy Spirit moment where the Spirit causes you to think of something, causes a change, helps a, a behavior, helps something, but that's not because of some guy on a stage. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the course of the week, you have to continue to be connected to the Father through the Spirit so that anything is going to change or be different, or you're going to have success over the things you struggle with. He tells his son, listen, listen. I'm trying to tell you to avoid evil. Flee from it. Do not walk the path of the evil one. Walk on the path of the righteous. Listen, boy. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh, that the ways of God would bring us joy. Not just do you look good, do, you, do people go, oh, that person clearly goes to church. It's more about what's happening inside. You read the whole Sermon on the Mount, walk through the New Testament. The concern of God for his people and for his church is that our hearts will be transformed. Not that we look good on the outside, but that we really have a love of God in us. And he starts to ask questions here in a minute. Like, what's bubbling out of you is really what's happening. But what's bubbling out of you is what's really going on. Have you gotten a new heart? 
And we have to admit that he's also talking about the influences all around us. That as these influences come around us and press in on us, we can be very easily swayed. I mean, it's marketing 101. Get someone to have an emotional attachment to an object, to a thing, to an event, and then all you have to do is put that shiny thing out there and they're going to be drawn to it. We're all susceptible to it. We're, we also have all of our shared, well not shared, our different backgrounds that then become a shared community here. Like I would say in this room, there's maybe a handful of you are born and raised from Laramie, Wyoming. There's not many of you. Well, raise your hand. Who's born and raised here? Fifteen of us? The rest of us are transplants. Like this town, and th I think almost ten years, I might be considered one of you. I hope. But we have East Coast, West Coast. It's like a rap battle. East side, West side, where are you from? It's like this. It gets pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? Like even the noodles. No one mentioned the joy of homemade, or Thanksgiving. No one mentioned the joy of homemade noodles that you put upon your mashed potatoes and eat them at Thanksgiving. You people and your gravy. <laughs> That's insane. You make noodles with a lot of chicken broth gravy or in it, and then you put that on top of your mashed potatoes and eat it. Right? Thank you. <laughs> we could do that all day. Like Laramie is, it, I've, when people ask from friends that live in other areas, you treat Laramie, Wyoming like it's a military town, not just like a college town. Because people are here for a season, they're here on deployment, they're here for a while, and then they're gone, and it can create in us a hesitancy to get to know people because we're afraid everyone's going to leave. The townies, especially those that raised your hands, sometimes you don't want to get to know people because you just expect they're going to be gone in three or four years. So you bring all of that stuff into our collective faith and the paths we walk. And so when someone who's going to be out here trying to give you advice and you're going to know, get to know someone, you're like, well, I don't know if I really believe them. They're not going to be here that long. I'm, I'm going to keep them at arm's length. I'm not going to. We all have this. We all have to fight this. And Solomon is telling his son, if you would just follow the path of God, you can navigate through all of those things. But we have to recognize that we are influenced from the outside. Um, my family is a diehard Chevy family. Right? That's how you fix a Ford. My whole life. My dad's a mechanic. He's worked on cars. He builds engines. Like, my whole life was, well, if you're going to buy a Ford, we can put a V8 Chevy in it, and it'll run right, maybe. <laughs> That's how it's always been in my, enti my entire life. So I found this one, too. This was a, the evolution of the garbage truck. Garbage truck. <laughs> right? Now, in all honesty, do I really care? Well, yeah, I do. Chevys are better. <laughs> But why? Because my entire life as a child, it was Chevy, Chevy, Chevy. We cannot deny the influences that are around us. And you can extrapolate that into a million things. The songs you listen to, the books you read, the politics that you favor, the, the career paths you go on, 
All of these things are vying for our attention and pulling us one way or the other. All of it. And Solomon's warning his boys, be careful. Be careful. There's going to be evil ones that are coming after you. They're going to try to pull you away. There are things that don't matter, like trucks, doesn't really matter. Although when my wife and I both own Nissans, we moved to Wyoming and we both had Nissan vehicles at the time. My dad didn't say much. <laughs> he just let it go. And then I moved here, needed a four-wheel drive. I bought a Chevy Tahoe from the GM dealership. I took a picture and sent it to my dad and said, look what I got today. And his response to me was, welcome back to the family. <laughs> and that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> and so it can be very deep-seated in us to the point where we won't listen to logic, reason, and we'll even reject the Holy Spirit because the Spirit's trying to speak to you, and you've got this rigid, held thing, and he's telling his sons. Now, remember who this is. This is Solomon, who soon after, not soon, but after writing Proverbs, trying to warn his son and raise his son, he goes completely off the deep end and ignores everything that he just wrote. That even he, as he's, partaking, he's imparting this wisdom to his boy, he's going to fail almost every one of these things he's saying. We have long-held traditions that can get in the way. We have long-held beliefs. We have things we're so influenced. We've already prayed for, well, I'll just leave this. This one's for Eric. <laughs> just for you, Eric. Oh, he does have a MacBook, doesn't he? Okay. Then it's for Darwin. Uh, this is going to be me Tuesday. I've taught political science. I like politics. I love when everything goes chaos in someone's mind. <laughs> because I'm only, I'm in my 40s, and Darwin, 57 doesn't make it a young cataract, it's just a cataract. <laughs> um, I, I, I love politics. I love it. If you want to buy me lunch or let's have coffee, I'll give you my opinion on every person who's running. I will lay it all out for you. That is not my job as your pastor. It's not my job. Because if I don't have you in a place to where whatever happens after election season, that you can't take two steps back and go, Lord, I don't like what's happening, but I trust that you're in charge. You're sovereign over it all. If you put all of your hope and trust in a person running for office, that's not wise. It's not wise. You may have strong beliefs. You may be running for office. You may serve in a million ways and bless you and amen and go for it. And I don't care what side of the aisle it is. Go for it. Serve. Be selfless. But at Tuesday, if people are screaming and yelling and going, like you're putting all, as Christians, we don't put all of our faith and hope into people. It's in God. We put our faith and hope in him. And if it doesn't go the way we want, then we look at it as, what's God doing? Is this, I mean, the church grows under persecution. The church grows under tension. The church gets a little fat and sassy and lazy when there is no tension coming our way. And maybe we need a little pressure. You, you don't know what God is doing. So instead of going, oh, my person lost, or gloating to the person next to you, my person won. Do you trust God in all of it? You should. You should trust him in everything. And so Solomon is trying to drive these kinds of truths home to his sons. Do you believe in the power of 
the truth of the Bible as a final authority, or are you listening to folly? You listening to the fools that are trying to pull you off the path? Are you listening to the truth of Christ that he's going to sustain you and take care of you and keep you no matter what comes your way, or are you getting pulled into the voice of folly? We've got the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly throughout the Proverbs. Who are you listening to? That's his question. Don't just go with the flow and also don't get swayed by every bad thing that's going on in the world. Do you trust God? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep, the eye on, keep your eye on the legacy that's before you. Now, there are some indications. We have to be careful of this. This is where it becomes self-reflection time for you. Well, me too, so I didn't mean that as a, for all of us. Do you really believe what you shake your head at when you're here on Sunday morning? If I say something, or the Word says something, and you shake your head, yeah, I preach it, yeah. But then the rest of the week you live like you didn't agree? That's an indication of what's happening in your heart. That out of our hearts, James would say that what comes out of our mouths is what's truly in our heart, that what's coming out of you really resonates your love and trust of God. This isn't a drive to perfection. That's a cough. <coughs> Sorry, I should have turned it off. Put away from you crooked speech. This is not the classic, well, if you love Jesus, then four-letter, three-letter, whatever-letter words won't come out of your mouth. That's not what's happening here. Just because you get profanity completely out of your vocabulary does not mean that you have arrived as a man or woman of God. That's silliness. But how often are you tearing people down? How often does anger come out of you? How often does up, how, how easily are you upset? How easily are you pushed away from the truth? How easily do you have something happen in life and all of a sudden it sounds like you don't even believe there is a God? Get rid of crooked and devious speech. Let your eyes look directly forward to you. If out of the heart comes what's really going on in us, then we can examine each other and examine ourselves. <clears throat> Mike, all through the week, you are pretty nasty. You've got a lot of dark things. You, you aren't very positive. You aren't very kind to people. Then you get up on stage on Sunday morning and you have some great jokes and you throw the word around and you're really two different people. That would be an indication there's something broken in my heart. It doesn't mean we don't have seasons where we're upset, that we're seasons of longing, seasons of we don't think we have it figured out, seasons where we just are off. <clears throat> but I would hope that in the course of my life, in the 10 years I've been here and that most of you know me, that in the course of my life you can say, Mike's generally positive, he's generally upbeat, he generally has hope that comes out of him, he generally is helpful. Are there times when I mess up? Of course I do. There are times when I'm <clears throat> not feeling great or something, but what should happen is, well, gosh, Mike's being different. Something must be going on. Hey, Mike, are you okay? It shouldn't be, well, Mike's always terrible. Today's having a good day. Today's the day I'd like to talk to Mike. It shouldn't be like that. So what's coming out of you? When people around you examine you, when people around you that know you talk to you, 
What would they generally say about you? That's what's coming out of your heart. Are you positive? Are you kind? Do you care for people? Are you there for people? <clears throat> Sorry. Or is there something broken? <clears throat> something broken that keeps you from keeping your eyes on the path. And if that's, your, that's the case, we'll get there at the end, but it's okay to be there, but we can't stay there. There should be a growth in your relationship with God and a growth in your confidence in Him that people will be drawn to. Matthew gives us an example or gives us a window into what it looks like when people try to just be polished up on the outside. He's talking to the um, Pharisees. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit, you brood of vipers. I don't know if you know in Middle Eastern culture, but being called a viper is not okay. <laughs> Typically, these were the deadliest of snakes, and these are the ones that would sneak in and would bite the ankles of your children as they were closer to the ground in a bassinet or in, in a manger or whatever. So to call the leaders of the church a brood of vipers was not a compliment. He's saying, you killers of children, you poisonous, death-dealing. That's what he's saying to these leaders. Because all they cared about was being good on the outside. I'm doing the right rituals, I'm doing the right cleansings, I'm saying the right things, I follow the right holidays, but their hearts were seething with evil. They were seething with a desire to look good, but not to have a heart change. That's why Jesus throughout the New Testament is consistently saying, it's a new heart, it's a new, the whole Sermon on the Mount is not about you and behavior modification, it's about you and your heart being changed and lean towards Christ. So that's the question we have for us. As Solomon is trying to tell his boy, like, make sure you're looking forward, make sure you're on the straight path. Do not let all the influences from the outside come at you because they can take you down. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, Turn your foot away from evil. We're so easily pulled. And the warning is stay focused. Stay focused on Christ. Stay focused on having a new heart that's been changed and transformed and growing. And don't be so easily influenced. Now, time to be really honest. It's okay to not be okay, but you can't stay there. I'm stealing this from Matt Chandler, if you know who Matt Chandler is. He said it once, and I've always liked it. So he should probably have like a TM at the end. But So I gave credit. I didn't plagiarize him. College town, that's terrible. <laughs> <clears throat> this isn't asking all of you to be perfect. I'm not saying come to faith, have a relationship with Christ, and five years later, then everything is Pollyanna and pie in the sky. I'm not saying that. I get really worried when I walk into um, a situation where there's been death or loss or a tragedy. And if I walk into that situation and someone in the family, um, see, I think sometimes when I walk into those situations, I'm either a comfort or they're like, if it's a hospital situation, sometimes people in the hospital will see me coming and go, uh-oh, that's bad, Mike's here. <laughs> and so I try to be delicate in both of those situations. But if, if something, if I'm coming to the door of the house and I'm about to walk in and know that something bad has happened, I take a moment, 
I pray, I knock on the door, and I go in. I don't throw a lot of Bible verses. I don't put a lot of platitudes. I try to hug a lot. I try to comfort. I try to be a gopher and get things for people. I try to just be there and be present and help in whatever way I can. But if I start hearing things, I can start gauging where we might have a problem. If someone is just, let's say someone just died, and I walk in, I'm there hour, an hour after it's happened. And in that moment, someone goes, God is so good. God is so good. And, and I, I'm like, uh-oh. They're not being honest with what they're dealing with. They're not being honest with, now maybe it was a long-term illness, I will hear that. But let's say it's a sudden tragic, and they're just like, Mike, God is good. And then I know that I need to press it in and go, you are just bottling all this up, and this is going to be bad. We've got to talk about this. We've got to be honest with the emotions you're feeling. And then if there's a season where people are angry at God, I get it. God can take it. I hope you know that. God's a, he's a big boy. He can take your anger. He can take your questions. He can take it all. But if there's a season where there's just anger and upset and it doesn't eventually start flowing towards the stages of grief where there is a, I can't stand this right now, I can't go to church right now, I don't give me any of your Bible verses, but I know God loves me. I'm just mad at him right now. I just don't understand. Then that, that's hope to me. I'm hearing hope. I'm hearing, okay, we're going to get through this. We're going to walk through this. It's okay to not be okay, but you can't stay there. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to walk into that situation and go, what are you doing, Lord? How is this, this family, this poor family, and this, they've lost a child, they've lost a grandparent. How, what, it's okay to say, I don't understand, I can't stand this, I'm broken, I'm hurting, this is terrible, but it's not okay to stay there. And the path you're walking leads to getting to the better place. If you are so influenced by evil and things on the outside, you start saying God doesn't love, you start saying God doesn't care, you start saying God can't heal, God can't help, God is nowhere near. And that's the enemy pulling you towards the path of wickedness so that you don't have hope, you don't have joy, you can't get through it. But if you have some good people in your life and some good time alone with God, even in the pain, where you can say, I don't know what God is doing, I can't stand this, this hurts so bad, I can't breathe it hurts so bad. But if you are on the path, you can hear the power of the Spirit, you hear the whisper of God, and even in those moments when you are losing it, if you can cling to the truth, I know God is good. But I don't know what He's doing. I know He loves me, but I don't... I'm secure in my family member. I know where they're at right now, but I don't want them in heaven. I want them with me now. That's honest and heartfelt and true. But if we are so easily tossed with the waves, then that shows me that out of the wellspring of your heart isn't joy and faith and trust. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of what ifs. Now, please hear me. In the middle of the phone call in the event, I would never judge you or say that to your face. That would be, I'm a jerk. And I should probably be punched. 
But if we're walking through a season of grief, and it's six months, eight months, a year later, and we're still having really bad days that are consistently strung, then the church family should be pressing into you. And please hear me. Most pain doesn't just go away. Matter of fact, I don't know any pain goes away. You'll have a season of six months. Trusting God, this is great. Trusting God, I know he's good. And then you'll have a day or a week or two weeks, and you're losing your mind. You're just losing it. And it all floods back, and you feel the despair, and you feel the pain, and it's all right there in front of your face. But then you can get through that with the power of God, with relationship with people that you share that pain with. It's okay when someone asks, like we do on Sunday mornings, you walk in, hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, you're really doing great? I know these three things are happening in your life right now, and you just told me and everyone around you you're great. You liar. <laughs> it's okay to say, I'm struggling. How are you? I'm doing all right, but I'm kind of struggling. And I don't want to tell you because then you're just going to ask more questions. So just know that I'm struggling. Pray for me. It's okay to say it that way. Are we really a church family? Or are we just playing lip service to it all? It's okay to say, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a mess right now. I really don't want to have coffee and I want you to try to fix me. But could you pray for me? Yes. I'll add that to my list. It's okay to be in a weird spot. It's not okay to stay there. And Solomon is telling his son... Be careful with the outside distractions. Because there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. There's an enemy that wants you dead. He can't steal your salvation. The devil can't take your salvation. But he can take you out of the game. And if you are so wrapped up in the pressure and the pain, and, and he can keep putting in the forefront of your mind that you aren't good enough, you don't measure up, God isn't real, if he can keep you down that path, then you are no good in sharing the truth of the gospel because you feel like a sellout. So he might not be able to rob you of your salvation, but he can take you out of the game. And then people don't know Jesus because you are out of the game. It's not just you and your mental health. Eternity hangs on the balance of people's lives in your faith and trust and confidence in Christ. So if you aren't in a good place right now, you really need to share that with somebody. You need to Go before the Lord in prayer. You need to talk to him. And you need to put some people around you that are going to care for you through this. Solomon is telling his son to trust God, but stay on the path. Keep your head looking forward. We all have to do that. So where are you at this week? If, you've, if, if all that I've just said, you're sitting there going, I'm in a bad place. And you don't tell someone, I don't want to call you a fool that's harsh but you're not being very loving to yourself because there's a lot of people here that would jump into the thick of it with you. And if we don't have the answers, we're going to point you in the right direction. If you're not okay, let's get some help. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you very much for this time in the service where we've been able to worship you through song. We've been able to hear testimony of how you're using this church and this community in our community. And I pray, Lord, as we have walked through this short section in Proverbs, that we would see that we are called to follow you no matter what. 
and that there are clear distractions and enemies along the path that are going to pull us away from you. And I pray, Lord, through our confidence in your love for us and our discipline in studying your word and prayer and being in community with others, that you would help us to stay on the path that leads us to you. We are never going to be perfect, Lord, and you don't ask us to be. You ask us to trust you. You ask us to be in a relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that we would all do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.